0: Welcome to Savage Minds. I'm your host, Julian Vigo. Today we have two guests, Kelly J. Keane and Heather Brunskill-Evans. Kelly J. Keane, aka Posey Parker, is a British women's rights campaigner, founder of Standing for Women and the Let Women Speak movement. She fights for the rights and language of the global constituency of women and the safeguarding of children. She is a free speech absolutist. Heather Brunskill-Evans is a feminist academic who argues that women's control over Our Own Bodies is the bedrock of our freedom. She is also a free speech advocate. A free democratic society works by allowing open conversation and debate, freedom of association and expression, and access to as much information as possible in order that people can make up their own minds. To date, she has never in her life voted conservative. I welcome Kelly J. Keen and Heather Brunskill-Evans to Savage Minds did you emerge as the activist that you are today? Could you discuss that from even the group that you and I met in many years ago? Yeah,
1: sure. So um, a really long time ago, when I was expecting my daughter, 2006, I joined um, a parenting forum called Net. And I remember having a very difficult conversation with this incredible woman called Disney on the... I think it was called Feminism back then, and it's no longer called that, the section on Net that I joined. And I sort of said something like, oh, feminism needs a new name, or something naive along the, along those lines. And she just properly schooled me about my wrong thinking, right? She was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and Posey Parker was born because... My daughter is not called Posey or Parker, but that was the, the list of names. And I'd never heard of the actress and I just became Posey Parker. So then when this issue came up and I started talking about it, I was sort of well-known-ish on Mum's Net and I quite liked the name. So I just became Posey Parker in sort of uh, everywhere that I joined, like Twitter, etc. So in 2015, um, the Conservative Party was elected outright as a lefty. And in probably some devastatingly dreadful uh, echo chambers, I had no idea we were going to invite, uh, uh, elect uh, the Conservatives. Right. I just thought that was the most ridiculous. Of course, that wasn't going to happen. Um, I was a Labour Party member. I was a Jeremy Corbyn kind of supporter. I had been a bit of a Keir Starmer. So, you know, not wise on either count. Um And this issue came up. I joined a lefty group online. It got populated. It was supposed to be just for women, populated by AGPs. Um, And when I raised a question about it, I got really badly, um, you know, roundly attacked by both women and these AGPs. And then just from that, I was like, what the hell is going on? One of the women recognized me from Mumsnet, invited me into this group in sort of late 2015, early 2016, um, then became one of the major groups, which is Fair Play for Women. Um, and that was it. And so I just started speaking up. And I uh, met Venice, uh, who like really changed my perspective because she was proper middle class. And for her, there were no doors that weren't available to her, for her to open. And for me being working class, there were plenty, and I'm not saying I am now, but for me being raised working class, there were plenty of doors that I didn't think were at all available to me Um, and activism began and then, you know, the rest is, uh, erased history.
0: (laughs) Could you talk to us about the first incident? And I recall this very well. I remember even speaking to you about this when you were supposed to speak at a Women's Place UK event, and then you were disinvited from that event.
1: I was, So they contacted. So I was basically invited to uh, an event in Cornwall to speak, and I was a little bit surprised that they invited me to speak because I knew I didn't. I wasn't really the um, the face. Uh, You know, my face did not fit the women's place kind of idea of how meetings should be run, and the sort of um, things that I would say, which were more aligned with Sheila Jeffries. Um, than Women's Place regarding these men in dresses. Um, So I was a little bit surprised that I received the invitation. And then what happened is they messaged me about quarter to ten at night on Facebook and said, we're going to rescind your invitation. Um, We think these uh, things about you, uh, which was sort of basically racist and uh, Islamophobic. We think these things about you, and so we'd like to disinvite. And I was like, well, am I thinking at that time was well how do we how do we not make this a really muddy horrible grubby affair so I was like well how about I just you know I I can say I'm ill or um, how are we going to do this because I thought anything even if it was just about rubbishing me it would actually um, taint the movement Uh, but uh, they weren't interested in that they just released a really damning statement which was full of euphemisms the next day no solid accusations, just basically libel proof. So they could say just enough bad stuff about me that everybody would understand what they were saying, but not so bad that I could sue them in a court of law.
0: The statement they made, Heather makes reference to this in the piece she wrote about the monstering of you. A lot of people on Twitter come forth and they say, well, they didn't say that she was a racist. Well, they did. They did it in a very slick language that allows them to say, we literally did not call her a racist. No, they did not say Kelly Joaquin's a racist or Posey Parker's a racist. What they did is they rescinded their invite. And then they said that they stand on a platform of anti-racism, etc., etc. et cetera. It was very clear what they were saying. Well, they said I was problematic or some, some word about
1: race and religion. So they they basically said that I, I had um, bad views about those things without being quite so crystal clear.
0: Yes, and then add that to social media plus the Chinese Whispers Association and you've got women. I was having debates with women who had never heard you actually speak, never seen anything of you, but they heard from where they were sitting at their computer in the Midwest US that they heard that you were racist, therefore you were racist. And this is the effect of social media where I say something and that somehow becomes... Indoctrinated as the truth for everyone, and people are not very quick to question. This is one of the foibles of the internet, of social media specifically today. Many people don't have the time, let's face it, they don't have the time to go through even the news. So, fake news is, is a reality because people are working in the US two and three jobs. They're struggling to pay for heat this winter. People have bigger fish to fry than to find out if you're really a racist. And that's part of the problem, too, is that. Social media is designed to herd people into these tunnels of credibility so that if someone who's got a blue tick says something, then that's somehow to be believed over those of us who are mere plebs in the race. This brings to thought some of the problems around this discourse that we've been seeing, because what you're describing with Women's Place, that happened in what month of 2018? Oh, I want to say May, May 2018. Because I remember I was in Germany at the time. I remember speaking to you. I remember the park where I was, in fact. And I was quite upset by the fact that the response to your views, views that many women, including many Muslim women, hold, was to lambast you as a racist. How do you feel about the way in which not only you were lambasted, but racism seems to be this dog whistle that's used to shut down serious debate including about women's rights you've been victim to this not just by what women's place did but this had a knock-on effect later with your trip to washington dc i believe that was in january 2019 correct yeah i how do
1: i feel about it i feel that there are um There's enough evidence and enough things that have happened that in 2022, I look back and I think, are they just controlled opposition? Like, did they even think that I was racist or is this a tactic used? Because then if you say that person's racist and we distance ourselves, then nobody's going to come looking at whether or not you're racist. So it's like a protection thing. Um, But I don't. I don't know if I believe that the person who wrote the statement genuinely thought I was racist or anti-Islam. Um, and frankly, I, I am quite uh, opposed to ideologies that subjugate women. Um, so I do have an issue with elements of um, the Islamic religion, uh, as well as Catholicism. And it's very weird that actually i had been tweeting a lot about Catholicism and none of those tweets have been saved because that doesn't help the narrative that I'm just a... Uh, Anti-Muslim. Um, it's I, I was an anti-theist. You know, I, I prided myself being very much aligned with Christopher Hitchens. So um, yeah, it just I just think it's quite interesting that uh, they chose to just ignore the criticism I have of all religions and just stuck with Islam. But I do think that because of the way they operate, which is guilt by association. And they do operate in that field very comfortably. They then buy into the whole idea that guilt by association is something that you can actually do to someone. And so it could have just been that they were trying to protect themselves um, by making me a sacrificial lamb uh, so that they wouldn't get tainted with my uh, comments regarding little girls wearing hijabs or the fact that FGM was taken to Indonesia um, by uh, Muslims or any of the other things that I've said along the way. And I'm not saying that FGM started. I'm not saying that it's not that it's an Islamic practice. I'm saying that it has been successfully um, embedded into some areas of the world and Islam, and therefore it was um, taken to different parts of the world by that religion.
0: Yes, and what you've just said, it has been stated by many Muslim scholars, both male and female, who speak against this. Paradoxically, they're not racist, are they? And and the other problem with what happened in January of 2019 that I noticed is that early on, um, and I got into trouble over this, which is why I did not pen a piece. And I have wanted to over the years, as you well know, but because I was caught in the crosshairs, I was told uh, directly by Jane Claire Jones that I'm bad at politics. And the reason being is that on January 31st, she and I had a discussion in a Twitter group about yours and Julia Long's participation in various events in Washington, D.C., events that she had no knowledge of, actually. She had believed and had propagated this on Twitter that you and Julia, were paid agents by the Heritage Foundation. They had no clue that there were several events, one of which you had organized with Megan Murphy and Julia Long at the Washington, D.C. Public Library. The day after, in the audience, were you seated to watch what a left-wing mother had organized with the help of the Heritage Foundation. All of this, of course, was carpeted over. And I was told this. I'm going to read what she told me at one point in our discussion. You think we would have made the progress we'd made if we'd carried on the Julia Long, he's a man strategy. If that had worked, we wouldn't be in this fucking mess, would we? And I responded, who is asking the rest of women what is best when you all make actions, websites, tweets, etc.? And of course, we're never consulted, right? I think the reason why we're in this mess is because too many women are saying she, worried about looking mean. And she responded, oh, are the women in Washington black, I didn't notice. That's a TA yeah. tactic, isn't it? Oh, suddenly, the suddenly in let's, last let's change this race. So tractic, then, uh, that to race. It's so shaining, stupid. What and then, suddenly um, she January, then says, this is not public shaming what they were engaging in against you. I remember 31 January 2019. I have in. explicitly said that they are entitled to their views and to act as they see fit, and that I am entitled to disassociate myself from it. You are the one creating the wreck by not accepting that I have the right and demanding I support something I do not, which, of course, I was not demanding she support anything. I was saying very clearly, either give evidence of what you're saying or apologize and retract your statements because they're libelous, they're untrue. And for this, I, I was unfriended in this discussion. I was told I'm bad at politics and and she insists throughout this discussion, you have yet to explain how this is a winning political strategy. Well, here's what I say many years later, is I think you, Kelly J., have shown yourself to hold a better political strategy. I won't use the words like winning. I think your political strategy has had far more effect than using the word ontology to confuse your audience over and over to churn out documents that lose a good part of the population, mm, working class. I mean, these are the women that claim they speak for the working class, but they actually don't linguistically speak with or to the working class because you can't follow ontology, ontology, can you? No. Well, I
1: I often say on my channel, I'm not speaking for women. I'm speaking to them. Like the, The whole purpose of everything I do is to enable women create space for women to speak for themselves. I can't think of anything more condescending than uh, thinking that I'm speaking for women uh, because they don't have their own voices. And, of course, they do. And um, I think that is called populism. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't care. I think populism, populist movements, popular, um, talking to people in a way that they want to engage with whatever it is that you're saying... I can't see how that's a bad thing. Maybe I'm politically naive, um, but I I just don't understand why that's a bad thing. As long as you're not whipping up um, hatred and falsehoods and uh, preying on people's fears, which I don't believe I do, um, I don't see why populism
0: is, is is a terrible thing. You heard recently the interview by Julie Bindel that she gave just last week on Blocked and Reported, where she basically accuses you of either being and or inciting right-wing populism. Now, it's very interesting when Julie Mendel says this, and a lot of people, when they refer to populism, they're always discussing right-wing populism, not just populism. And I found this an interesting choice of words, because if one thing all of us on the left and the right can agree to, and I think maybe it's a moment to agree to this, is that the gender movement has completely tossed up what left and right means. It yeah. really has. And if you're going to call yourself a historical materialist and be a Marxist, and a lot of these people who support historical materialism have collapsed when it comes to gender. They they loudly support gender. They'll call you and I cis, bitches, heterocentric, blah, 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 blah. And so that left has been lost on itself. That left is is quite a firm, regressive left. Now, Julie Bendel was very quick to call you, align you with the Hearts of Oak, as if you sent out gilded invites to them, as if you have security over public parks in Brighton, etc., etc. As if, at no Women's Place event, have there ever been a right-wing person in attendance, as if we are responsible for people coming up to us taking a selfie you know, we've Don't all it. done it mm. I, I wouldn't know who's making a selfie with me and why is it that this has come constantly to hit out at you and i i say this harking back to january of 2019 because you were in the company of megan murphy megan murphy never received the same treatment by julie Bindel, and she was there with you. Do at the same events, right? You, you, you were at the DC Library. How did she escape this and you not?
1: Well, they're friends, aren't they? And I think they're very good friends, and they go back a long way. Um, and Megan wasn't actually involved in the. Uh, I don't think Megan came to the Heritage Foundation. Megan was sort of flown in to do this specific talk. Um, and so to be fair to Bindle, um, uh, I think it would have been a very different thing to then start criticizing one of her friends and the things that I was criticized for Megan wasn't involved in. So I think uh, that's where it comes in. You know, I have, um I don't know. I just, I went and asked a man some questions, a very powerful man. Who's now a Senator. I went in a, uh, his name is now Sarah McBride. He's actually Tim McBride. um, And he was in the uh human rights uh commission uh is that what it's called human hrc and he is uh he advocated for a very violent man to go in a woman's prison like this was a long long time ago and so i just asked him some questions julie and i asked him some questions he was sat in a room he was going through some photographs he'd just done a meeting with some kennedys and some parents transitioning their four-year-olds and i thought that you know this is what you do you hold these people in power to account and i was i was quite shocked at the level of criticism for going to do that but you know now that we're what four years on from the first kind of rubbishing of me i understand that this is this is not really about me this is about this is about them this is about the protectionism they feel about their own movement um maybe their own position um in the movement i genuinely don't think that they think I'm, I'm ushering in the right. I think that would be just the most peculiar thing to think that women coming and talking in open spaces is actually a right-wing thing. I think I would, I would not give that to the right in a heartbeat. Do you know what I mean? I just, right. it, it's, if we start saying that free speech and the right to assemble and the right for free association and all those things are something that the right do, what does that say about the left? because it,
0: it's not good. Absolutely. And as Heather noted, and this has not escaped anyone, really, you're offering the mic to everyone comes from grassroots, left wing organizing. It's old as a tactic. It's a very well suited tactic for what you are doing. And how women make this out to be right wing is beyond me. How anyone makes out that you're supposed to be doing, I compare this to the TA saying that we want to do genital checks. Instead of doing genital checks, now these feminists are trying to obligate you to do ID checks in public spaces, as if you're supposed to be controlling all the phones that are up filming. How on earth? Look, maybe I have a really
1: um, annoyingly large ego, right? But I think in a conversation where I'm doing most of the talking, I'm not going to be convinced of much. I might change somebody's mind. I mean, it might be that these Hearts of Oak people who are, I'd like to, I'd be very interested to know what anybody means by far right and how this particular group fit into the category of far right. Um, I don't know them from Adam. So when it comes to that, I, I, I find it quite interesting that they're instantly sort of assumed to be far right. And, and you know, I, I just don't know that they are. But, I still don't think that them listening to me speaking is a bad thing. Maybe I am the bridge from which they can go from women hating far-right people to actually seeing women as human. Like, why isn't that something that could happen if they're listening to me speak? Like, why would I think that I have anything to lose by anybody listening to
0: me speak? It's insane. It also harkens back to the fact that when Jane-Claire Jones wrote me all of these things in January, I kept asking her about where she sees right-wing women then. Are right-wing women suddenly to be deprived of their rights to a rape-free prison space, a rape-free domestic shelter space, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera? I don't understand where the leftism is within any thinking whereby we must be punitive towards those with whom we disagree politically. And who draws that line? Jane Claire Jones, Julie Bendel. Julie Bendel and she actually contradict themselves quite a bit on this because as you noticed in the interview that she gave last week with Katie Herzog, she begins with... Well, the rupture within feminism within the UK is proof that there are so many people that now we're ready to break up because various voices are divergent and there, there are so many of us. But that's not the song she sang about you these last years. Let's go back to the fact that we're still waiting for the Tommy Robinson avatar that you allegedly put up, right? Oh,
1: look, I really, I actually think if if I'd met Bindle quite a long time ago before she um, decided she really hated me, I actually think we'd probably get on. I think she's funny. I yep. think she's intelligent. I think the way she talks plainly is really um, enticing to women to find out more about her views. But on this issue
0: of both me and trans, she is just wrong. And it's interesting because she's done so much great work, work for women's rights, for exiting, for surrogacy. Yeah. And she's funny. I read articles that are just so child-hating and I'm cracking up. So I don't, I really like what she's done. This Mm. is the issue is how on earth do we square the situation where you are doing work as a, a campaigner for women, a campaigner for children as well, and her entry point with kitty herzog is everyone's welcome now we're we're just so big that people are disagreeing but then throughout the interview that shifted towards and this was the accusation you were handed it's not only the terms that heather has noted as well that you know you're called right wing adjacent or we are called i'm called right wing adjacent it's the idea that bindel says that you came into this without any true understanding of feminism or left-wing politics. That's what she told Herzog. And I raise my eyebrows at that because I'm thinking, so what? So what? And then she goes on to say that she has worked with people who are religious. She gives the example of the good nuns in Rome who are doing good work on helping prostitutes. Okay. But then she doubles back when she starts talking about your work in the U.S. and that you're aligning with people who are against abortion, but what about those nuns in Rome? It's a bit of tiptoeing through the tulips if you catch me here I mean we can't be purists in this fight there's always I have worked I've worked with Ernesto Cardenal in Nicaragua he's a priest who got the ring taken away by Pope John Paul because he held arms in the fight against the Contras now there are ruptures in the church there can be ruptures in the church of feminism or in the fact that You you don't call yourself a feminist and you probably don't call yourself a feminist because of what you've been through, I imagine. Well,
1: yeah. And I've also taken a bit of a dive into feminism and I I do find it difficult. I I understand why, but I do find it difficult the way that mothers are treated. And I think that within the structure of our society, I'm not quite sure how feminism would have achieved what it achieved in the sixties and seventies, had it not made, um, motherhood, uh, somewhat lesser than it actually is. So I get it, but you know, I'm a mother of four children. Uh, my everything I do is through the lens of that relationship, and so I, I just, I just got to a point where. A, I couldn't adhere to the principles, um, and I was taken there very, very quickly by how rubbished I was by feminists saying consistently, "You're not a feminist because you can't do that. No feminist would do that." And then I just thought, okay, fine, I won't be a feminist because actually, that inhibits what I can say, that inhibits the people I can reach, um, and so I was, I was just <clears throat> happy to do that. I mean, with Bindle, just to say very quickly, it's a lot more personal. Uh, She didn't like me a long time ago because I criticised an article she wrote about how women should – about workers, women, should get time off for their pets, just like women do for children. And I thought she was so out of touch because I didn't know any worker that wasn't salaried, and even most salaried workers, women – uh, who actually had paid leave for children. It just doesn't happen. You certainly don't get it if you're working in a supermarket. Working class women on sort of below 25,000 or even other women below 40,000, you don't get paid leave when you look after your children. And I said that and she she called me a boring middle-class breeder. So I think, um, I don't know what issue she has with mothers, whether or not there is some sort of, You know, amateur psychologist in me says, did she wish she had children? And this is like just a really personal thing for her. Um, I wouldn't like to, I wouldn't like to say, but it's her hatred of mothers and motherhood and children in some of her articles is, suggests that it's very, very personal for her. But, um, you know, like I say, I really admire her. I think we would get on uh, every day of the week. I'd offer her out for a drink. Uh, just so she can see past all the nasty things that both she said and other people have said about me, so she would maybe have a more accurate idea and understanding of who I am.
0: Heather, I wanted to get you in on this issue, because what Kelly J has just said speaks to this problem where we have been saying, oh, all voices are welcome at the beginning of the Herzog interview, and by the end, only the voices that have been instructed properly went to feminist finishing school and Marxist finishing school, although she then jumped to, this is the only time you're going to hear me say it, but I'm a moderate as a leftist. So now who decides, because Jane Clare Jones is not a moderate as a leftist, who decides where that lefty line is that we're allowed to then suddenly be accepted as valid voices, and who decides, because as you know, Bindel said that in fact that the women involved Who are from the populist right, uh, even though she's privy to publishing in right wing papers in the UK, she is allowed to do work with the decent nuns, I'm quoting from Rome, as a positive example of religious women working against prostitution. Posey's not allowed to criticize hijab or the obligation of covering girls' heads and faces. And that these women had no grounding in feminism is one of the many critiques that she gives. But ironically, she also delves into hyperbole where she says things that aren't even accurate. She says that Donald Trump, uh, the populace right now will say, I'm going to vote for Trump because at least he knows what a woman is. Her counter argument was he's a sexual harasser and he wants women barefoot and pregnant. Well, he is a sexual harasser. I don't think people would deny his history. But does that mean that leftist men are free of that? Uh, We we seem to have a media that never discusses left-wing men's involvement in sexual harassment. That seems to be carpeted over. In fact, the recent court trial in California over the murder of two lesbians and their son, the media blackout on that surely shows us how left-wing media can't even acknowledge women, much less lesbians. Can you discuss this a bit? You know, um, I just like to say that so
2: much has been discussed already and there are so many questions in what you've just asked me, Julian. Um, I hope to address them, but I'd like to just go back a bit, if I may, and talk about the fact that Kelly J and I do know each other. Um, We've um, not only have we sat in various hostelries and had drinks with one another, in the past, but we were also, I think the first time I was really aware of Kelly J was when we were both held hostage by balaclavid trans activists in um, in Bristol at, at, at the Janja. Yeah. Um, and, and so we were right at the beginning of this um, resistance, a feminist resistance against um, gender identity ideology and trans activist politics going back a number of years now and one thing that struck me about um Kelly J and uh, no doubt I'm going to be accused of being a fangirl which Kelly J knows perfectly well that I'm not, that, that I'm not <laughs> we're, just, we're just you know equals and and friendly with one another um So the thing that struck me about Kelly J and has continued to strike me about her is that, um, one of the things she said to me, um, she probably has forgotten about this. We were actually in a pub after some event. I can't remember which event it was now, but what she said to me, she said that she felt very bad about Venice Allen and she wanted, and she'd said some not very nice things about Venice Allen. Um, and she wanted to, she made an apology not an apology to me, but she wanted to talk to me about it and put it right, that something had been said by her, and she needed to put it right. Um, Firstly, I thought that was a really lovely thing to do, because very few people um, ever admit that they've been wrong about something. Secondly, it was of importance to me, because right at the beginning of this, so I had been um, in the various feminist waves the second and the third now I'm calling this the fourth and um, it was so appalling that I opted out too I can tell you all about that perhaps for another interview Julian but so I i was back now um thinking that feminists were you know this was such an appalling thing that what was happening um with trans with the transgender stuff that feminists were were going to hold my back and that we would hold each other's backs so I was quite shocked at the moment that Kelly J was talking to me about this. That very recently, or previously to that conversation that she and I had, Kelly Jay and I had, I had been warned from ever, ever, ever being having anything to do with Venice Allen. And I was so shocked by it and wondered who this monstrous person was that I'm, I must keep away from. But of course, what I ended up doing, and I can remember feeling afraid. Actually, of, of of Venice. What could what? Who is this person? I, I actually um, contacted her and asked whether I could we could meet up. And Julie, I did. I went around and had a cup of tea with her, or oh, it may have been a glass of wine. Actually, come to think of it, and um, and there was a perfectly um, nice, reasonable person attempting, as we're all attempting in our own ways, to contribute to a fight back against the trans stuff. So, so um I assume, and I don't know whether this is the case because didn't talk to Kelly J about it, that Venice Vanessa had been monstered to Kelly J as well and had realized that this was just ridiculous. So, so to go back to the history I have with Kelly J, it starts off with being on the same side against the against transactivist terrorism, which is actually what it was at the Jam Jar event in Bristol. And also that we'd been warned against the same person. And in talking to Venice, we realised that (laughs) she's a human being like us. So these were these were instrumental um, moments, I think. Um both for well, certainly for me, they were they were they were significant moments um on, on the journey that I've had with with all of this.
0: So um so there you go. That's a bit of background history. I remember, Kelly J, when you came in the group and you apologized. Also, you had doubts about Venice Allen, and you came in and said, I was wrong. I apologize. And I, I had great respect for you because that's something I share with you. I'm a person who's very quick to realize when I've done wrong or judged incorrectly, etc., etc. And um, I remember thinking, oh, that's so good. And then you started your own thing. And Venice had also done the Hyde Park Corner event. And it seemed to me as a bystander, because I write about this, but I haven't been doing the activism also because of where I'm geographically located, uh, that I saw that the events came very quickly. It was her event and then Women's Place was formed. There seemed to be no recognition by Women's Place of her work or existence, which I found a bit troubling. I think credit should make us stronger, not weaker, even if we don't agree about every point. And then you came onto the scene and you did some work with Venice, obviously. And somehow this snowballed into, you guys are the hugest, bigots, racist, right-wing nutters. And and this was allowed to stand for some time. But in recent months, this has come to bite the creators of these fictions on their asses. I believe, in fact, that maybe Bindel did the show last week with Katie Herzog in a way to shore up some of the damage because she and others had received some flare back, let's call it that. Uh, And I'll give you a few examples. For years, Jane Clare Jones has been calling, as well, uh, Bindel have been calling the men they like, she. They call them sister. We've all seen this. But then they come on and tell us that we can't be mean. And this was also mentioned in the Herzog interview, where some women are just saying mean things about these people, and it doesn't help our fight. But mean things can communicate many issues for the trans agenda. That means that saying that sex is real is hate speech. Saying that we are not clownfish is akin to murder. That line between what is hurt feelings and simply biological fact has been blurred so much that the likes of Jinkler Jones and Julie Bindell, and there are others, I don't want to just focus on them, but I have the words in front of me where I'm being told that at least I'm entitled to, to make a judgment that acting like the caricature of a turf is a fucking liability that hardens public opinions and undoes a lot of work that we have been doing to establish that we are reasonable and we are entitled to distance ourselves from it. That's Jane Clare Jones on January 2019. Now, the question is, both she and Bindel seem to come from this presupposition that goes like this. We're on the right side of history. And if you don't vet your ideas by us and we deem them to be phobic in any way, not only are you making us look bad and years of work that we've done, but we're the right side. Like they want to basically set themselves up as being the Politburo of all good feminist thought. And anything you bring to the table has to somehow be approved by this unnamed committee, this unnamed procedure that you're supposed to somehow fly into their acceptance. And I asked her, how does this work? So I'd just like
2: to finish off on something um about what I experience as kelly J's reasonableness is actually i was i was looking uh, and and the correctness of the position that she's held um and the comfort that I feel on 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 it, in being part of that so let me explain I was looking back at um a video that or a YouTube that Kelly J had made about um, Susie Green the other day. And I was about, you know, her um, relationship with her son, her taking him to be castrated and her possible psychological um, issues um, around that event and the kinds of negative ways she's brought those psychological issues to create a movement. And I was struck by the, by the warmth with which Kelly J actually spoke about Susie Green. It was quite sympathetic. Now, that was vilified at the time as being extremist and so on. But as events have, have panned out recently, it, it was worth paying a visit back again to that YouTube to actually discover that all the things that Kelly J was vilified for, for saying then, people are now saying now is quite sort of, commonsensical response to Susie Green so there's that the other thing I think is that Kelly J is actually being very reasonable and generous of spirit to Julie Bindle for example who has done amazing work for feminism thank goodness she has but the fact is that what is going on is a sort of purest policing of wh- which side you're on who you align with who you don't castigating other people, calling each other out. And I know, I know for myself that I would rather be in a group where we hear each other's views. Sometimes we we disagree with each other, but there is a lack of, but where there is a lack of purity policing. So I yeah that's how that's how I feel about it. I, I just it's
0: so uncomfortable It's so uncomfortable to be constantly, constantly judged. Well, it's the goalpost shifting. If there was judgment and then some acknowledgement that, you know what, we've had to think about this. And in fact, it's okay that we all do things differently. I've been saying this from the beginning. I think it's great that you have the nice feminists out there because they're the ones that are going to get people who are afraid to say he, (laughs) the ones that are afraid to say man, man. Because they've been so indoctrinated. You know, I was editing um, the podcast that's going up later today with a, a British activist and businesswoman, Sal Grover. She said something that I really touched base with me. She said, you know what's really frightening about this? These kids are being taught this in school with no historicity. They do not understand that the understanding of sex and male-female goes back quite a long way, both in reality and in history. But this notion that we all have a gender has been foisted upon us and nobody seems to understand that these kids are being instructed that gender is something that you don't have to opt in on. But they're being taught it as if it was always like this. And this is a great discursive violence being done on the educational field because children are being disempowered from their own knowledge. They're being taught that dinosaurs existed in this era but since ever everyone has a choice of opting into a gender because that's the entire gender ideology movement has been deracinated from its own history it's being presented as if it's always been like that
2: can i say uh, if for the, precisely the reasons that you're talking about i think that I disagree with Bindle on the idea that she has just said that actually the fact that feminists are disagreeing with one another is is really cool because it demonstrates how big the movement is now. Um, I I don't think that I don't think that that is actually what is happening. I think the falling out is a very serious thing. I think it's a symbolic moment, actually, within what I'm calling a fourth uh, wave of modern feminism um, and i su- I suggest that we do get a grip of the conflict because as we 're attempting to do now and sort of throw some some light on it because unless we unless this conflict is actually brought out into the open and some light shone in it um it, the ter- there 's going to be a terrible legacy for the next generation of kids actually because what is that because the grown ups who should be in the room, not exiting the room, the grown-ups who should be in the room need to know exactly what the conflicts are about. Otherwise, they just seem like, you know, it's just a sort of women fighting with each other. Because until the grown-ups know what the costs are, until they've actually worked out, is somebody like um Julia Long utterly, utterly transphobic for saying that what we need to do is call a man a man something that feminists are now deciding to do but which thankfully in, in my view Julia Long was brave enough to say three or four years ago um until these things are out in the open the adults who are responsible for the next generation won't be able to hand on any of this information to the next generation so on the one hand I see it as a sign of success. I agree with Bindle that we're so big now that we can afford to have different opinions and disagree publicly. Um, yes, I completely agree with that. But I also disagree. Because um, you know, I agree because differences of view openly expressed form the foundations of liberal democratic society. On the other hand, what Kelly J and Standing for Women is flushing out is the level of leftist feminist policing and surveillance of thought with ad hominem attacks. And it's actually an authoritarian move. It's not a question of different voices. It's what the leftist feminists are attempting to do is shut down speech. You know, I'm all for freedom of speech, which it includes Kelly J, Julia Long, the the grassroots movement, which Kelly J is facilitating, um, where women who don't normally have a platform can actually speak out. Now, to frame that as right wing populism and to have dog whistles like it means that we're all allied with, you know, Tommy Robinson or this makes us anti-abortion is so extreme. It's so hyperbolic. It's actually ridiculous but if people hear that from an authoritative voice like Julie Bindle's they're going to believe it so we have to keep talking and fighting back against it all let's actually talk with one another Kelly J has said she's very happy to be sitting on the same platform as Julie Bindle
0: why not go for it why not You're listening to Savage Minds, and we hope you're enjoying the show. Please consider subscribing. We don't accept any money from corporate or commercial sponsors, and we depend upon listeners and readers just like you. Now, back to our show. There's something very strange that they pull. And it's very akin to what the trans do when they want us to mirror their identities by calling them women or using preferred pronouns. It's all about self-image. Yeah. So Dave Chappelle famously stated, why do I have to confirm your self-image? Well, I say that to Bendel and to Jane Claire Jones, and I have to Jane Claire Jones. Why is it that what Kelly J or Julia Long are doing in D.C. reflects on you? Why are you now the Politburo, that no one voted for, by the way, that to you. Wave your wand and approve or disapprove. I mean, there's an arrogance to what's been going on there for several years. And yes, many people will say they always love to go back to her comments on hijab. Oh, my God, that there's something regressively racist about a bunch of white women calling her racist over issues that even the Killiam Foundation have chimed in on when it comes to the grooming gangs. Kelly J was right about that for years and has yeah. been vindicated by the very police force that did the investigation by human rights groups that have investigated. They found out that exactly what she said. And I remember I was in the group with you Kelly J and we had private discussion where I was like, mm, I don't know. I've worked in the Muslim culture da da da," and I listened to her and I've done work. I speak two dialects of Arabic for goodness sakes. I totally understand that her critique was about a practice that, many people who are themselves Muslim, including men criticize. And I think back to that day when I took a taxi to go to teach at the University of Montreal, my cab driver, Algerian in his early 40s, said to me, you're speaking in Arabic. And he said, can you call up my wife and talk to her? And I'm like, why? And he says, well, we've lived here now for two years. She refuses to take off the hijab. I keep telling her to take it off so that she can meet more Canadians. And I said, well, I can't tell your wife what to do. I'm very happy. I'll give you my number and we can meet up and have a tea. But the thing is, is that, that when you've got these women saying racist, racist, and they're, they're not attempting to reach over the aisle and understand what she was saying, because I did this. I had private conversations with you, Kelly J. You remember them. Uh, I they was were quite really, heated, as I recall, Julian. Well, yes, because I, yeah, <laughs> I, of course, because I'm not, you know, I'm one who wants evidence of things like you, like most reasonable people. And you gave it to me. I have no reason to think you were, you're were you speaking in bad faith. I, I watch your videos. I see what you're about. And I just find it in bad faith of these woke feminists. And I call them woke feminists because they actually trigger all the stuff that they criticize within the trans lobby. They do it themselves. And they're doing it to her. So they say, no, we're not about genital inspections, but they expect Kelly J to run public park inspections they expect her they to don't know everyone... no, it's
1: all it's all nonsense right they don't <laughs> expect any of these things these things are not true uh judy bindle doesn't really think that i'm bringing in the rights it's just a way of it's just a it, it sort of reminds me when you're a teenage girl and you have two days off because you're not very well and you go back to school and all your friends have, mo- have moved on right and they've all said horrible things about you while you've been away and then it's all a little bit awkward for a couple of hours because they understand what they've all been saying about you i i think this is really schoolgirl or female behavior um where they're in a group together and they're all winding each other up um but i don't i genuinely don't believe uh based upon the fact that they don't ever produce any evidence beyond silly things i don't believe they they actually think these things about me i think it's Convenient to think these things about me and say these things about me and focus on uh, a a threat that isn't there. I said a long time ago um, when I I did get very cross about women's place, really, really cross. And in fact, I ended up getting kicked out of the Facebook group because I wanted somebody just to answer some questions and they refused. Um, Actually, let me just say about Venice um, and Heather. What happened, uh, Heather, is Venice did, uh, organise an event. I think it was Brighton Labour Conference, and she organised a side event. And she did that with some of the women from Women's Place, Judith Green, Ruth Savotka, uh, Kiri Tunks, I think. And what happened after that is Judith Green, basically, and Ruth, they just told everyone that Venice was a terrible person. And should be avoided at all costs. And I didn't really know the layout. I didn't know Venice. I didn't really know these women. And I think what I did is I sent you a look. These things are being said. Um, Rather than I know these things to be true. But these things are being said. Just be careful. Because I think at the time you were very high profile. um With your um, dealings with the Women's Equality Party. And then what I actually found out is Venice was absolutely lovely. And had... um The landscape of what she felt she could achieve and could be done was very different to mine. And I'm ever so grateful that I met her really, really early on. And obviously, Julia Long um, and you, Julian, and Sheila Jeffries and women that really gave me a very firm grounding in what was happening and what we might have to do to stop it. So what had actually happened to Venice is um, and I've seen the text messages. In fact, I had them for a long time and now I don't is Judith Green had asked a mutual friend of Venice and her to go and disseminate information into women's groups saying that Venice was awful. And she basically said to this woman, Venice will look like SHIT and you will come up smelling of roses. So I've seen that text message. So that's what happened. So I I feel um, I don't like being used to spread falsehoods. I don't. I don't normally. Um, I quite like gossiping, but I don't normally try and trash somebody's reputation. And so I felt really terrible about any dealings I had with that particular episode, and learned a very, very good lesson from it. Which is, unless you have met someone and they have done something to you, <laughs> which is tangible, uh, you really need to steer clear of uh, repeating any of these malicious, nasty. Uh, rumors but um yeah I I just don't believe that what I I don't believe that anything that they say is really strongly very attached to me at all I I really do think it goes back to them and how they feel about their stuff maybe they don't like it that I've never used preferred pronouns um which I will forever be in debt to Julia Long um maybe that's what it is I mean clearly I don't look Uh, like a feminist in any way, shape or form, Um, stayed at home with my kids, did all the things that you're not supposed to do and be able to have a reasonable, rational, relatively informed point of view. So, you know, I mean, that's part of my appeal, I guess, that I look like I'm going to be
2: submissive and I'm anything but. Can I just say that one of the things that's been said recently is that people who would call um feminists the head girls the gatekeepers are part of the populist right um, they're actually what's wrong with these people who Kelly J facilitates whose voice Kelly J facilitates is that they're gender conforming and they're part of the far right because they they you know agree with women's traditional roles dependent on women's biology etc cetera, etc cetera. so i mean firstly the interesting thing about that is the, the people who the women who called used the head girls metaphor well actually it was a black woman and a lesbian woman <laughs> that 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 is that is actually the reality of it but also there is absolutely nothing gender conforming about facilitating women's voices in order that they can speak out. So to get back to what you were saying, Kelly J, I suppose what is irritating is that, in one sense, you know, to say you, you have four children, you've stayed at home, um, as I did, by the way, I also have four children and stayed at home when they were little, um, is is sort of gender conf- is gender conforming. But you're confounding that gender um, conformity if. If it is gender conforming to actually stay at home, which is a, a with one's small children, that's a, another moot point where we can discuss it another time. Um, is that actually you're confounding this. You're speaking out. You're going off and spending weeks in America doing your own thing. You know, presumably your partner is very happy to facilitate your agency and your voice in all of this. And uh, so, the ridiculousness that women who are enabled by standing for women are supportive of gender conformity is just, it, it drives me mad because of its irrationality, actually. And I want to come back, this thing, the thing of irrationality drives me more mad than anything else. So if we get back to Women's Place UK, and I'd like to just. Um, bring this up we don't have to stay with this is that um you know gender criticism is based on the idea that one's culture or or society or religion shapes how we experience or perform gender that's the whole point of this that sex is a biological phenomenon it has consequences but gender is socially constructed this is a mantra that keeps being spilled out over and over again when kelly jay used that in relation to a particular um islamic culture and a particular one in 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 um with with the grooming gangs this was seen as the most terrible heresy so the idea of racism was brought in then to 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 confound her to malign her to to um to actually call her out and And create, you know, it was very serious actually. It was like creating a gang against Kelly J. But all she was doing, and this is where the illogical, illogicality comes into it, all she was doing was using exactly the same theoretical starting point as gender critical feminism. So gender critical feminism needs to get a grip of all the contradictions that are going on Inside it at the moment, which gets me back to my original point, I think, or one of my original points that unless it, we all get to grips with it, speak out about it, listen to one another and our disagreements and stop shutting other women down, including the grassroots fem, fem, um, women that leftist feminists are supposed to represent, although I, I don't think they do. I think they're part of the general left wing identity politics uh movement that's going on it's very little to distinguish between the two of them um so uh, unless we get all of this out onto the table what will happen is people are fundamentally misunderstanding what the disagreements are we live in a liberal democracy let's let's try and uphold that and talk listen to each other and stop trying to shut down free assembly between people of people meeting in the park and having their say it's so authoritarian it actually beggars belief to me it beggars belief
0: well after your brighton event i just want to read quickly what jane clare jones wrote because this this blew my mind what is absolutely clear to me is that this is now a movement in which some women are not allowed to say what they believe, define their own political principles or make certain political critiques. That's not a movement I want to be part of. That's all I have to say. Of course, it's never what she has to say, because then Karadansky asks her. This was on 20 September of this year. By this movement, I assume you mean feminism. If that's right, I have to wonder which women are not allowed to say what they believe, etc. Who in the movement decides who is allowed to speak? I see plenty of women feeling free to say all sorts of things. Kara, Jane writes, this is about the mode of response when some feminists articulate concerns about extreme right-wing alliances or groups attaching themselves to gender-critical work or events. Hopefully, we will get a chance to model how to actually dialogue about such issues in Wales. I'm left with question marks when I read this because she's angry about the reception you received in Brighton. And that's suddenly cast as women are not allowed to say what they think when she was the one telling me January of 2019 that you guys should not be allowed to speak. Now, this is a paradox because the point of us having, as Heather just said, living in a liberal democracy is that we can speak if we're not advocating to go out and Eradicate from the face of the earth this group or that person. I don't see where dialogue in group meetings and you're giving the mic to women because this is the quote of the day. I got this email the other uh, a week or two ago after I was poking my finger in this issue on Twitter. I was written, From one woman, who I will not name, I was drawn to Kelly J. King because she doesn't expect me to listen to a lecture about the patriarchy before getting to the nuts and bolts. She doesn't give a fuck what my personal politics are with this issue. When I first became aware of this issue, I regularly saw feminists post things like, should we talk to Brexit voters and allow them in our movement? I find it interesting that it's totally okay for me to vote for Scottish independence, but not for the independence from the EU. One makes a good person and the other a fascist, despite my reason for voting for both for decision making, being closer to home. Feminism seems entirely middle class to me. Working class issues are unimportant unless they can be used as a weapon against the Tories. Rotherham, etc., are all great example of this. It's obvious that it's primarily ethnic Pakistani men doing the grooming in the case of Rotherham. Keeping up with the court cases makes this very clear, but much racism, say the Femmes, Of course, it won't be their daughter suffering this abuse. Sarah Fillimore often is on GB News. Of course, she is a lawyer, so she doesn't get called a fascist. I'm not so daft. I can't see the class privilege. Kelly J. King treats us all the same. So despite being middle class, she is treated as if she is working class. She goes on, but I just thought that was a very thoughtful comment to make from someone who is watching all this as well, like we are, and who appreciates what you do because you don't demand that women kowtow to or kiss your ring or mirror your other stances on completely diverse issues. Well, I mean, it's a single issue campaign.
1: How can I possibly start uh, talking about other things I mean I I do speak out against surrogacy I don't like any sort of donor conception which obviously makes me a raging lesbophobe and I know you and I probably fundamentally disagree about that Julian but I have I've made these I've I've made it my business that I think this I think the house is on fire I think our children are inside and I do think if we can't name men as men everything else is lost I also listen to the work of um and an, a personal friend to Mary Lou Singleton who when it comes to the issues of abortion in the United States of America, I'll take her view over everybody else's. Her idea that abortion shouldn't be anything to do with the state, that it is about a a holistic kind of care for a woman who finds herself pregnant. Um, And I totally agree with her. She talks about how under Obama, due to the big business of abortion, more access to abortion was closed than under any other president. And obviously, you now still can have an abortion in America. It's just a lot more difficult. And I personally think the issue of abortion in America, they didn't win it. That's what happened. In a democracy, you have to win the argument. And unfortunately, they haven't won the argument in some states. And I think that is an argument worth having until they uh, regain those rights, 100%. But... Do I think Biden eradicating what it means to be a woman-in-law is actually bad for every single woman in the United States of America? Yes, I do. Do I think Biden having a, a terrifying human as head of like healthcare in the United States who is uh, an autogynophile who actually wants more children to transition? Yes, I do. And actually, on the issue that I care about, which is this issue, I think he was a worse candidate than Trump. And it's unpalatable because we are in Trump derangement syndrome uh, still. Uh, We have more protests in this country about Trump than we did about any genuine dictator, not democratically elected, coming into this country. So I think I'm right about it. I think I'm rational about it. I don't think I'm persuaded by these silly narratives where we're all supposed to get excited but the one thing that keeps happening, happening to me is people go, she's a Nazi. She's a Nazi. Look at her. She's a Nazi. And then they go, oh, my God, people are calling us Nazis. Yes, because you told them to. You basically put that information in front of them. You legitimize the idea that I'm genuinely far right. I just did FemSplainers a couple of weeks ago, and she she asked me, how, like, what it was like to to work with David Duke. I mean, these are, this is a Wikipedia entry. So it's, it's absolutely nuts. You can't, on the one hand, say, we're not associated, but we're going to comment on everything we do and keep talking about disassociation, which proves my point about talking about, about ever disavowing anyone or disassociating, because all you really do is you create, in the minds of people, you create ties. It's like, that's why you say to a teenager, you don't say... Don't forget to brush your teeth. You say, remember to brush your teeth. You don't issue the negatives. You don't say, no, I don't want uh, a five minute break. You might say, oh, I don't know. You might say, I'm going to work all through in the morning. So it's really subtle, but that's why I don't disavow anyone, because these women disavow me all the time and they're still closely associated to me in the eyes of the enemy.
0: Well, in her interview, Julie Bindel says the problem for me is that if the media thinks of all of us as the same group, of course they are going to say that we are bigots and that we align with the far right because some of them are But who's aligning with anyone? Who's aligning with the far right? That's I
1: mean, why doesn't anyone just ask her when she starts saying this, well, what are your what what's your evidence that she is actually aligning with the far right? What do you mean by the
0: words far right and align? Adolf Reed asked this question. He says, why is it okay that we have Bruce Jenner as a woman, but not Rachel Dolezal as a black woman? I would ask the same thing of these feminists. Why is it okay that you publish in right-wing papers that you say a man in a dress assaulted me, but then suddenly you're the bad person or Julia Long's the bad person for saying man? And it's pick and choose. It's a very cherry-picked narrative that we're getting. So they decide when man is useful, and they decide when. What was uh, Julie Bindel called one of these men? Uh, sister, I remember that tweet. So when okay, are it was they? Miranda Yardley. And I know Miranda. I've had tea with Miranda on two different occasions, I believe. We even had breakfast together. Um, he's lovely, but since when do we get that? you're killing us with pronouns, incorrect pronouns, launched at us by the very feminists who themselves decide to use the wrong pronouns when it suits them. And Heather, you note this. I think that I think one of
2: the things that, that again, it drives me to distraction is a lack of ability to define what the far right is. It's such a nebulous concept. It's thrown out as a slur. Basically, it is a slur. And the irony for me is that it's the very same slur that is thrown at us by trans rights activists so within feminism there are some people saying exactly the same things as the trans rights activists so where do we go from here and there's sort of um (laughs) when i wrote the article when i saw a pylon that was actually happening to kelly j which was appalling to me i was hoping to draw attention to the fact that the left is currently behaving like the feminist caricature of the far right Um, apart from the issue of abortion which um, the left does support but I think it was Andrea Dworkin who said um, as well as other feminists uh, who points out that leftist men do support abortion because it's in their own interests to to do so um, the left is absolutely policing women, what we can say, the language we can use about our bodies, suppressing grassroots movements. Um, um, for example, of women speaking out and objecting. So the left is suff- suffused with identity politics. Um, and, and as I've said earlier, as a consequence, it's abandoning the ordinary person, which is supposed to be its constituency. So, you know, the left watch balaclavaed men. Um, terrorizing women, threatening violence, and they're standing by absolute cowards. Um, this is the current left that we're dealing with. Um, it's suffused with the politics of identity and it's running scared of a trans lobby. Uh, just because the trans lobby shout transphobia, everybody goes into a quaking, you know, quivering mass, uh, mess. Um, And this is endorsed by our progressive politicians, media outlets, spokespeople and so on. Why? So it's the, it's the, when feminists shout, you're associating with the far right, it actually sounds like, you know, the reality is it's the left which should be castigated. It's the left wing that should be being held to account. Now, I know that these feminists would say they are holding left-wing men to account. They're also holding people like Kelly J and me and you, Julian, no doubt, to account because all we're doing is, you know, mobilising right-wing populism. But they never, ever, ever, ever define what right-wing is. So, you know, when I wrote the article asking the question, rhetorical question, what do they mean by the far right? I actually got <laughs> masses of, you know, um, tweets and DMs explaining to me what the far right is, as if I'd not, as if I was too stupid to know that there is such a thing as patriarchy that I'd know, as if I didn't know the history of the control of women's bodies that has gone on. But you know, the, my point is, it's the left that is doing this at the moment. I actually don't have any perception that the right is doing this. So the right, I'm, I, I, I have no idea what, what, what Tommy Robinson actually thinks. I've never met him. He's an irrelevancy in British culture. Actually, he's constantly brought up. So. People you know who don't live in England or in Britain will think of him as this very significant figure because he keeps being brought up all the time. Tommy Robinson, Tommy Robinson, nobody cares, nobody knows who this man is, so the ordinary what I'm calling conservative man or woman, I find that I can have reasonable conversations with we'll disagree over various things, and it's respectful it's not this actual authoritarian shutting down of what I can say so my experience I think that Kelly J is very decent about this actually my own experience of being shut down of being told I can't say this I can't do that is as is, is a, a feeling of um a, you know not a part a absolute frustration I agree with Kelly J that we well, you know one comes to realize this isn't a personal thing although it feels very personal when somebody's trying to gag you, um, it's not a personal thing because, and it's been an interesting opportunity for me to realise I've learned all sorts of things about the left, about political movements, about the way that feminists are not a a movement with great solidarity in it. I'm sorry to say that for people who are coming into feminism now, who are actually, their consciousness is being raised as much by Kelly J, if not more, by um, academic feminists like myself and others. Um, um, And of course, there's this hope that feminism is this, you know, standing on the shoulders of other feminists, sisterhood, solidarity, we will hold your back. I'm afraid it, it, it isn't like, it isn't like that at all. It's been, I knew that years ago. I knew that because the second wave feminism collapsed because of very similar dynamics that are going on now. And this is why, for those of us who are old enough, who have this historical memory, should actually get a grip of this. Because what actually happened was, which is a fantastic second wave feminist movement that gave all the rights to abortion, to equal pay and so on. You know, I know that they're contravened all the time in many, many different ways, but they were set down in law in this country Young women coming afterwards, of course, were not grateful. Why should they be? It was just part of the air that they breathed. They didn't know it, it had been different. But feminists became absolutely vilified. And that allowed a movement to come in of sex work is work. You know, pornography is a great thing. It's about women's empowerment. So, what actually happens on the basis when you start vilifying feminists? And we were great feminists. We were all about, say, you know, liberation, sexual liberation, um, uh, a movement which helped women to like their bodies. And as far as I'm concerned, uh, being a mother of four sm- small children at that time made me to love my childbearing and child. Um, giving birth body I loved it um, I'm waiting for somebody to come down on me like a ton of bricks for saying that um, but if what we do is if feminists start fighting each other it actually allows it opens the door for the right wing um, movement to just walk straight in and those of us who have this historical memory should get a grip actually because what we're doing at this very moment is enacting. What happened at the end of the second wave movement that ushered in a sort of third wave, you know, liberal feminism, empowerment, etc., etc., which fed in, right in to a patriarchal uh, um, framework, so or misogynistic framework, whatever word we want to use. I'm not particularly bothered what word we want to use about it all. So please, can we can we get a grip? Of this, it's very serious. It isn't as Julie Bindle said, there are many different voices, we can all have a voice. That would be great. Some voices are shut down. At the outside of this, sees us all fighting between ourselves and will want to walk away. Women who are, their consciousness is being raised at the moment, will eventually walk away because it gets too painful, too fraught, too horrible to be part of it. And then it dissipates. And that will be the end of our, our movement. Hopefully we'll have had sufficient guts. Women will have had sufficient guts to have turned the tide back against this tsunami coming over the top of us at the moment, including the house is burning with our children in it, but also the house is burning with men in women's prisons, with men and women's sports. So we, You know, it's not a single issue campaign. It's just the particular way that misogyny is, uh, you know, is taking a particular form at the moment in in the 21st century. But, of course, it's clearly connected up with all the different ways historically that misogyny has ever been expressed. So it's quite legitimate to focus on the trans thing at the moment because it's a new version. It's like... Hydra, growing heads.
0: This is the particular head we have to slay at the moment and let's go for it. My part of the problem in people coming to terms with the fact that they judged incorrectly about Kelly J, for instance, Mm -hmm. not only be the years of monstering, but also the fact that it's very hard for people to let go of their Twitter heroes In the sense of we're all flawed, we've all said things that we had to walk back or apologize for. I don't mean just within this movement, I'm thinking of in our lives as individuals. And I'm wondering why the same people that follow these women then understand that Julie Bendel said some really great things in this interview. And I loved it when she said when the LGB became really weird, you know, I I laughed out loud when she said that because I was thinking, well, she, she can be monstered for saying that. Now you're calling trans people really weird. Well, she was obviously referring to a lot more than that, yeah. the pedophilization of our community, if I can call it. I said, you know, my community in a podcast recently, I meant to put air quotes around that uh, because I also have issues with the quote-unquote gay community and what that means for me. And she raised some great points about how the L and the G were being glommed together. Yeah, in the yeah, movies. yeah. And I think these are important issues to discuss. So when she says pronouns really irritate me, really irritate me, and I will not capitulate, but I think abortion is really important right now, more important than pronouns, yeah. end quote. She has capitulated. Okay. And let's go back to earlier in that same interview with Herzog that she said she worked with nuns in Rome. Now, if she really means this statement, then she's giving herself the same margin that she refuses to give Kelly yeah. yeah, And that's all we're saying. We're saying, hey, we all have to make compromises, Julie Bendel, writing for right-wing papers, Julie Bendel, who goes across the aisle to work with nuns. No one would judge her for that. Again, I worked with Ernesto Cardinal uh, when I was teaching at the university in Nicaragua, and People know his heritage, that there's that famous scene where he goes to kiss John Paul's ring, and John Paul, the Pope, pulls his hand away. This was very significant in Latin America and has a larger history within the history of Catholicism and liberation theology. But that said, liberation theology made room for priests carrying weapons. And this is what I think the keyboard warriors of this woke feminism are not understanding, I'm not including Bendel in this, I know she's done grassroots work, great. I'm talking about some of the other actors in this that have not been named. Uh, they are safely typing away these statements about her, maligning Kelly J, when in fact, they too got to speak in parliament because of a Tory politician. We all remember that, right? And I'm thinking of Women's Place. Uh, and that's okay, because if that's what it takes, to have a voice in parliament women's place has had a very good run at raising issues that even kelly j or you or i could not raise because they have the ear of certain parts of society kelly j though this is the paradox she has had more effect with the working class than any of these woke feminists screaming working class bad optic you're bad at organizing etc
1: I I just want to raise the point about um, when both Katie and Julie Bindle um, talked about as if the issue is really pronoun versus abortion. Uh And it just is, it's such a lie. And I just don't believe that either of them genuinely think that the issue is calling a man she, which I do think is a thin end of the wedge argument that I've made many times. And I think we're all on the same page. So I won't bother making it again. It's men raping women in women's prisons versus abortion. It's mutilating children versus Mm. abortion. It's gaslighting children and uh, co-opting them into not even recognising that the word woman means an adult human female or mother means the person that gave birth to them. It's societal harm on a scale that I don't even think we can consider at the moment because when you raise a whole generation to not be able to name the thing that is in front of them i don 't know what sort of legacy of harm um, in their in their psyche they will carry as like twenty somethings, even if this ideology ended tomorrow. The harm of being coerced and manipulated into these really devastating lies I think that is enormous um, yeah. and i 'm sure there are psychologists that have ideas about what harms that can do and i 'm sure that when you look at children who were raised in cults. And the way they feel and the way they feel maybe about their parents and all the adults around them that lied to them, I think we probably see some evidence there about what it can do. But this is on a mass scale. So it's not, it's nothing, it's not pronouns. And even if it was just pronouns, I think that is harmful enough. But it it is just such an enormous amount of uh, harm to humans just generally this ideology that it's ridiculous to reduce it to oh pronouns versus abortion no it is abortion needs the argument one that's what women in America need to do Uh, you need to find a way of getting women to understand that actually fundamentally whether abortion is legal or not the same number of women are going to get pregnant the same number of women are going to have an abortion so you either make it safe or you don't And I was talking to a pro-lifer about this and I was like, look, if you can show me evidence that when you ban abortion, you reduce the number of unwanted pregnancies, then I I might even think that you've got an argument. But until you find an argument that genuinely reduces the number of women that want access to abortion, that have abortions, then I just think you can't win this argument. It's just immoral and um, just terrible for women. Yeah. Anyway, that's my rant.
2: (laughs) And I agree with you about, both of you, about the pronouns thing. I mean, reducing this to a matter of equating um, abortion, uh, the seriousness of abortion with this sort of flippant, um, they're complaining about the use of pronouns, reduces the use of pronouns to just whether you're being polite or
0: nice. It's an own goal as well, because if you can't say, what sex needs abortions then you can't no. have abortion rights you can't, you can't have anything that, that well, yeah. is about women if yeah. you can't name what a
1: woman
2: is yeah and the pronouns thing is is, is of a huge importance because what it's done as kelly J has just said is that it shifts reality it creates a, a whole a, a falsehood about human existence so it's hugely important hugely important
0: Kelly J, a couple years ago, you and I had a chat and she said something that was so brilliant. It actually was its own master course in philosophy of the kind that would take several books to read. I'm thinking even, you know, from Sartre to Hume. She said to me this, they're targeting on controlling our language because language is how we think. And she said that to me. I'll never forget when you said that, Kelly J. And I thought, oh my god, this is exactly it. I mean, it's it's what Orwell was getting at in 1984 as well. But it's it was more vivid the way you said it. And I think that we really do need to understand this is about controlling our thoughts. Mm. Yeah, I don't think I'm
1: original in that thought. I I can't. I, I <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's been been said on numerous occasions in in lots of different ways. I you know it's. It's, it does really change. It does really change when somebody, when somebody asks me the question, yeah, but why can't a trans woman use a woman's toilet? I just think that in itself is, is exactly why, why we shouldn't use any female language remotely from any men, because, you know, I'm, I know I'm preaching to the converted here, but for people that are listening, once you... Use female language, and I, I, I let me just digress a minute. I listened to a program, I can't find it anymore, but it was about a man that had made millions. He was a consultant, and all he did is he would go into companies and he would change the way they sent emails. And so he just said, If you use we instead of I, then you look like you're senior and you're in charge. So if you say to a subordinate, Look, we, when you're talking about your company or yourself we do it this way, that is a definite position of power. Whereas people who are subordinates say, I, I am going to do this. Like they don't talk in we. Um, And also he was talking about pronouns being really, really, really uh, important, very quick words that convey so many other things. As soon as you say she or he or I or we or whatever it is. Right. And so, that just made so much sense to me now he was getting paid he'd get paid and changed the fortunes of companies on these words so I have no doubt that when you do that these this sort of mind trickery of reducing a man to a vulnerable state of woman and we know I, I know I'm ran, rambling on but I'll just finish this point we know that women the left- wing socialist feminists who repeatedly comment on the things that I say and do, we know that they think of trans, so-called trans women, men who call themselves women, in a different way than I see those men because they will defend those men in a way they wouldn't defend a man wearing men's clothes. So we know that they do that. We know that they do that because they feel the word man is too abrasive and so they will use words like male-bodied, person with a male body, a person born male, as opposed to just calling that person a male, a man. And so I think that somewhat plays into why they don't like me very much because uh, they're trying to play this middle road game which doesn't exist. You either give up some of our rights or you don't. There's no middle road. There's no step back. There's no compromise that doesn't cost women and children. So I think... Maybe that plays into why they don't particularly like me very much because I will just, I have just been consistent for the last, I don't know, seven years.
0: You have. And I'm very impressed by the fact that you have been able to, more recently in the States, you brought what Vindel views to be a controversial situations. Um, how, again, I don't like to victim blame, she says. Well, <laughs> guess what? <laughs> She misses the point. The point of the whole thing was to
1: show that women can't speak. That's the point of it. That's why we call it Let Women Speak. It's about creating space to let women bloody talk in the public square. And the fact that they can't is the whole point of this. Just okay. like how short-sighted can you Oh, put them in harm? No, what we're doing is we're making a documentary and we're going to show the American public in a way that they've never been shown before that this is the cost
0: that women are bearing for this Damn ideology. Oh, I totally hear you. And I got into trouble because while you were there and I had seen some images and I was like, and read about the guns, I was like, I made a tweets and I got so much support for them. I was surprised I didn't get more blowback myself but I said this is very indirectly linked to the women who set the stage for this, and a few people, how can you say that you're w- blaming women for male violence? I said first, let's be clear, this isn't just male violence. this whole movement has been brought on largely by women, so that's the elephant in the room no one wants to discuss. Secondly, let's discuss the fact that she is being called a racist a Nazi because this is parroting what women in the uk started i'm sorry it's it's a no-brainer we can't say they just magically made this up they have a precedent and because i how do i know the precedent because they named the precedent they themselves say so if you're following the narrative from the outside and i am very much on the outside i don't give a hoot if my name comes up in storybooks about this movement i really don't i want this nightmare to end i actually want to have discussions with kelly j and heather about how to feed roses or something. I have never grown roses, but that's an example I'll throw out there. <laughs> I want to talk about something stupid or something real about mm, the fact that as much as we might love to hate on Trump, uh, that he is the one president in my lifetime who was in the least amount of conflict, started the fewest, et cetera. Now, this is something the left doesn't want to discuss, but I would like to have those discussions instead of the stupid stuff mm-hmm. that's going on. What say you, Heather? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I agree. But this all raises one point, and this is a point I'd like for us to maybe end on. Can right wing women be feminists?
1: Not if they know what's good for them. <laughs> <laughs>
0: The